Okay. What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> I don't even know how to do these things because this is the first one, so I don't know if I'm supposed to have like a special intro or whatever. Um, but for those that don't know, my name is Jabari, and this is the Words with Friends podcast. This is the first one. I'm literally going off the dome right now. Um, why I wanted to get into podcasting was because... I do interviews, and I think interviewing people is super cool, and I get to get a lot of insight on people, but sometimes there's things that the interview doesn't show. So a lot of times you don't you don't see in an interview a lot of the things that I edit out, a lot of the things that we talk about off camera. There's just so much that's like not reality in the documentaries that I might produce or some of the interviews that I've done. So what intrigued me with podcasting was... The fact that it's pretty much unedited, unfiltered, and um, and it's just audio. So the person who I'm doing the interview with doesn't really, you know, it's, there's no camera in front of their face uh, sort of altering their answers and stuff like that. So anyways, this is the first one, the Words with Friends podcast. Literally, these are going to be talks with some of my friends uh, in the music industry, in my life in general, people I come across with, people who are not even my friends. Um, <laughs> I'm still calling it Words with Friends because I think it's a dope name. Um, and yeah, so the first one is with none other than my man, Modi. I always get your last name. I don't know. It's Oye Wale. Oye Wale. There we go. I don't say it with the Nigerian accent um, because I'm a Black American, but uh, but yes, this is my my good friend who I've known for a while, and uh, he in in multiple reasons he he was for multiple reasons he was the guy that I wanted to have on the show first, but uh, you guys will find that out uh, a little bit later why. But uh, Modi, introduce yourself, man. What's up, world? This is Modi uh, from Washington D.C. Really Rockville, Maryland, but I claim the D.C. area. Do you say DMV? I say DMV. I okay. like DMV. Okay. I think it's very, it, it includes everybody, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And say. why not try and, like, claim people like Pharrell <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Timberland and all them? But really, it's, it's Northern Virginia, but I think it's, it's uh, to me at least, because I grew up in Rockville, but I still consider myself part of D.C., um, I think DMV is all-inclusive, so support it gotcha um all right so now a lot of this podcast because it's the first one is going to be sort of introductory on like the style and what i'm going to be doing with this thing but um the first thing is this whole thing is about life in general like you know we're considered millennials and uh people like to put us in this box of so many different things that, that you see on the internet from like, well, millennials are doing this, Generation Y is doing this, blah, 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 blah. Um, so we're going to be talking about just millennial life and what it means to be a 20-something uh, in this crazy culture that we're sort of living in. So to understand that, you kind of have to understand how somebody grew up. So tell me a little bit about, not a little bit about, a lot about growing up, being a child of immigrant parents, um, going to private school in D.C. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that. Sure. Um, well, I'm Nigerian-American. Uh, my parents are both <clears throat> born and raised in Nigeria, uh, although they they made it over to America, did some stints in London for a bit. Uh, and, yeah, I grew up in, like, a 
Nigerian household, kind of, expect, except my parents didn't teach me Yoruba, which is the language that uh, I would speak in the culture, the tribe that I'm from. So <laughs> I think that not having that language kind of separated me from a lot of the other uh, Nigerian Americans that I knew, because a lot of their families, you know, they spoke Yoruba, mm-hmm. and I was always, you know, they always made fun of me for not speaking it. I always was like, it's not my fault, you know, <laughs> my parents' fault, if anything. My parents, you know, they're two very hardworking professionals. They uh, both work at the World Bank now. My mom was a lawyer, uh, and then she, her law firm uh, dispersed. I think they just broke apart. So then she, she joined the World Bank shortly after that. She's been there for a long time. Uh, my parents both worked super long hours, drove us to work, and I mean, to school in the morning on the way to work. I was in every aftercare school program, took the bus home, mm. or an hour and a half bus drive every day. <laughs> I think that's when I started listening to a lot of music because that bus drive was so long. Yeah, yeah. An hour and a half. Yeah. And you just have to start getting creative because you're the last person on the I'm, I'm the last person <laughs> the on the bus. The last kid so. on the bus. <clears throat> me and my man, Deck, he lived up the street from me. And actually, strangely enough, um, when his he's from Liberia. And when his mom came to uh, America, mm. my dad had been there for a few years, and he reached out to her because she works at the World Bank, too, and helped her buy her first car. Wow. So we were super cool from birth. You know, I've known Dex since he was a little kid. He was a year younger than me in the Sidwell. Yeah. Um, I think he came in, like, third grade, and we've been cool since. But we were on the bus for the longest, two black kids at a predominantly white private school. Yeah. You know, both of our parents, he sing- come from a single mother household, lived in the apartments right next to my uh, townhouse, and then we eventually both moved up. He went from an apartment to a townhouse. We went from a townhouse to a to a house mm. right around the corner. Upward mobility. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time with Deck. Deck, Deck was a very musical guy as well. He was, like, big into percussion. Like, we used to, like, make beats on the way home mm. uh, and just, you know, we were very creative, uh, imaginative kids i've never even thought about this for real but now that i'm looking back at and stuff like yeah we used to spend a lot of time like just making music being creative reading a lot of stuff sharing stories you know we used to uh, we used to have like an underground i don't want to say railroad we used to have, we used to climb around the bus like under the seats and like make just like be be weird kids while like, it was moving while it was moving wow. <laughs> and our bus driver it was bus four Carlos what up to Carlos he still works at Sidwell wow. um, and yeah we were just wild kids running around the bus I think that like school bus memories are something that <laughs> that's I think, when I first heard about sex see every every American kid has some type of school bus memories if you were not bus to school I would think that's like a very unfortunate part of your life because <laughs> I wasn't bus to school. I was bus home from school. You were bus home from school. But okay, I was. So I had. I had bus in my. We had. Life. We had bus experience. I had a bus experience, man. Where I will never forget. I went to middle school and a bit of high and and all of high a bit of middle school, all of high school in Columbus, Ohio. And um, in middle school, a kid ate like Taco Bell. And the bus was really bumpy. And he threw up. And he threw the whole... And, but it was everywhere. <laughs> he walked from the back of the bus 
to the front of the bus spewing vomit <laughs> on everybody. And the next day, I swear to you, the next day, it, it was on top of the bus. It was under the bus. And people were just, like, outraged, you know. And it's just like, <laughs> and it's like I, could, I, I couldn't even imagine if that happened today what type of, you know. I mean, that it's like you go home, you have to throw up on your shirt, that's it, you know. But, like, today, parents would be enraged and come into yeah, the school. Somebody and gets sued. Somebody, somebody gets sued. Yeah, be all kind of, I mean, it's like kids had other people's bodily fluids like in their eyes and oh. all kinds of stuff you know but that's just kids being kids that's that's nuts can i tell you a story yeah, of course all right so this is my most embarrassing moment ever good seventh grade no sorry fifth grade chorus concert okay. holiday concert yeah five minutes before we hit the stage and the thing about fifth grade chorus is i think everybody in fifth grade had to be in chorus fifth and sixth grade you had to be in chorus seventh eighth is when it became an elective like you could start choosing what you wanted to do okay so, at chamber chorus, 7th, 8th graders, right? Mm-hmm. And they were like the elite. Like, they chose to be in chamber chorus. They tried out for it. They all had very wonderful voices. And they were kind of the people that, like, were in charge of the 5th and 6th grade chorus, right? Okay. They were like a small clique. They thought they were kind of cooler than everybody else because, you know, they worked hard and made it to chamber chorus. Yeah, yeah. Put in the extra hours outside of, outside of class and everything. Um, five minutes before... <laughs> Before set time, I, I was wearing my, you know, holiday, like, suit thingy, right? Mm-hmm. Every This is, like, a, a stadium, not stadium, sorry, multi-purpose room with, like, 500 parents, right? And this is the big show. The big show, holiday show. I have to go to the bathroom, <laughs> and I asked the person that was, you know, supervising us, yeah. hey, I, knew, I really have to go to the bathroom. Can I go? She was like, no, you can't go. Yeah. You have to, we're about to go on stage, like, just stay here. And I asked her a few times, and she gave me the same response. So I was like, oh, my God. Like, I really have to go to the bathroom. I don't know what to do. Yeah. My dumb ass just was like, okay, fine. Get on stage. I'm trying to hold this, singing singing this music. I'm, like, moving around, you know, trying to wiggle yeah. and make sure I don't pee on myself. And I can't hold it in. So oh, I just start peeing. In front of everybody. Yeah, but I'm in a suit, so it's, like, trickling down. <laughs> you know, it's trickling down my... My pant leg and my leg, yeah. and the puddle is just slowly but surely getting huge on the ground. Because, oh, you know, whenever yeah. you pee in your pants, if you've ever done this before, <laughs> it's the most pee you ever have. It's not like yeah. a small pee. <laughs> it's like the biggest pee you ever had. So, yeah, this happened, and it was the most embarrassing thing ever because no one knew we were singing Winter Wonderland, right? Mm. And I was peeing, and after I peed, I would like, tapped my friends in the shoulder. I was like kind of crying and I was just pointing down at the puddle and everyone was <laughs> laughing and the, the word spread so I had to just run off stage oh. and like they there was like a nativity scene at some point and in between you know during, while that was going on the chamber chorus guys had to clean that up wow and I I went home early I left the chorus concert right then and there my parents drove me home they were like what <laughs> what happened I didn't want to go to school the next day Concert was on Thursday. Yeah. I was trying to skip Friday and just come back to school Monday. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it didn't happen. Give it one day yeah. and everybody will forget. Give it a weekend. It. Yeah, yeah, man. I don't um, know why I wanted. I figured this is the time to share that kind of story. Uh, that, I feel like that's who made that made me not ever be embarrassed about anything. Because yeah, like, I was just gonna. What else can you be? What's worse than that? I was gonna ask <laughs> you, like, Will, what, what? I had to go to school the next day and face my teachers. Everyone knew. Everyone knew. Everyone made fun of me, but like. You know, you I took say? it in stride. Yeah, what's yeah. going to happen? You get in trouble in school, 
I pissed my pants in front of everybody. I'm still out here. Yeah, out here, <laughs> winning. Yeah. From a young age, man. Um, okay, so what what was it like going to school, uh, black kid, public school? I mean, not public school, I'm sorry, private school. Black mm-hmm. kid, private school in the middle of Washington, D.C. Because, I mean, this school is, Sidwell, for those who don't know, is like pretty. Sidwell Friends School, Quaker School. It's like a legendary school. Clinton. Clinton's kids, or Chelsea went there. Yeah. Obama's kids go there now. Yeah. I think George Bush, not George Bush, sorry. Al Gore, wow. his son, got kicked out of Civil War, had to go to another school, St. Albans, around the corner. But I don't, I don't know why it's a school of choice. I think it's because of the Quaker ideals, and it's mm. very liberal compared to these other, like there's St. Albans, there's Landon, there's National Cathedral School. These are schools where you have to wear a uniform to, to school. Okay. And, like, they're just a little more strict. This is super liberal. So this is a private school where you don't have to wear a uniform? Yeah, for sure. I didn't even know that existed. It's, like, on some hippie stuff. Wow. Okay. It's really cool. Wow. Everyone, like, you don't know who's rich, who's wealthy, and who's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part. Mm-hmm. Until people start driving to school. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, sometimes. I mean, everyone's chill. I think people were very open-minded. So this of course, you've got your clicks and stuff. through 12 for you. For me, pre-kindergarten. And oh, wow. the reason why I went there is because D.C. public schools are not the best. Yeah. And one of the perks of, of working at the World Bank is that, at least back in the day, I don't know if they still do this. Mm. I actually know. They definitely still do this. Um, <clears throat> is if you go to school in D.C., the World Bank will pay uh, the majority of tuition for private school because the public schools are so bad. And they're trying to get the best talent from across the, the world, the globe. Wow. So that's an incentive for these people to say, okay, I can send my, if my kid gets into the school, mm. instead of paying this 15000 tuition, is what, what I think it was, it was like twelve to fifteen while I was there. You know, mm-hmm. it went up every year, of course. That to Most of that tuition, like I'd say 80% of that was paid by the World Bank. So a lot of kids at Sidwell, which is what people don't know, a lot of the, like my best friend Andy Suzuki, dad, World Bank. Mm. A lot of World Bank parents, probably like twenty five percent of the grade, because the school's crazy expensive. Yeah, you know, um, twelve, fifteen racks a year. Now it's more. I I don't know. I mean, I'm not there. I know I want to send my kids there, but I just have to figure out how to get that money. I need yeah. a I need a link with some power players. Well, <laughs> um, well, I mean, if you watch, you know, any type of TV, like uh, what's that show? Uh, don't say scandal. I mean, I was gonna say scandal, but I mean, uh, uh, any type of any type of show that like is about the elite of America, mm-hmm. it's, it, there's always some type of connections that they have. Oh yeah, everyone's you know? plug. I mean, yeah, exactly plugs. The the plug, the thing. I mean, I got I got hella plugs, and yeah. I think it's, we're gonna it's, talk about that because I want to talk about, about your network, your man. Plugs. <laughs> my plugs, my plug game is nuts. Yeah, and yeah. like, the it's just crazy. Like, and I also think a lot of it's just like. If you have a plug, the plug doesn't have to actually do much for you. Mm-hmm. I think just connecting with that plug and just have that positive energy. Like, I was on the plane today from New York to L.A. Yeah. I sat next to Ty Dolla Sign's father. <laughs> I swear to God. And oh had the God. illest conversation about frequencies and sound waves. And How just, did you get to... I went to Ty Dolla. That, that this is Ty Dolla Sign's dad. How, I, does that, how does that conversation I would have never known unless Ty Dolla Sign's... A and R, who signed him, yeah. wasn't was on the same flight as oh, me. Oh, okay, okay. He was on the same flight. Wow. And he was like, "I said I seen you last night." He was like, "Yeah." And then, because uh, you just had a show at SOBs. Yep. Yeah. And so, 
he was he said he saw Ty's dad, yeah, and he dapped him up, but I didn't see that he said I, I didn't see what the connection was. I just saw, saw the dapping, uh, so I just was like, you know, I sat right next to the man because my seat was right there, yeah, and I had seen him dap up his A and R. So I was like, oh, I said, were you at the show last night? He was like, yeah, I was on the trumpet. I said, oh, I was there too. It was awesome. He was like, oh, cool. I'm Ty's I'm Ty's uh, dad, <laughs> and I was like. Shook because I've been talking about Dallas Nine for a minute. Yeah, like even in the last twenty four hours on Twitter, I haven't, I don't tweet a lot, but my tweets have all been related to Ty <laughs> Dallas Nine recently. And I'm sitting next to the man's father, yeah. and the the man is a legitimate genius. He works for Yamaha as an engineer. Wow. And like you just, I just didn't expect any of this, <laughs> but this man is an OG. Yeah, did crazy stuff with Rick James, Tina Marie. He was telling me about this John B. project that never was released that was so nutty. And he was just telling me all these stories. Like, he's been around. He's 55. Worked with all of these people. All the horns on the Death Row, early Death Row records are him. Wow. He was in a group called Lakeside back in the day. He used to tour with everybody. Like, he's a legit OG. And he's just talking to him about, like, life. He's hip. Like, he knows what's going on. (laughs) 55, works for Yamaha, knows what's going on. Yeah, I mean, if his son is Ty Dollar Sign. Exactly. You know. And he's got more sons. Yeah. He got more family members that make music. Wow. Cousins, like. I always wonder, though, with things like that, right, when you come from a musical lineage Mm -hmm. and you have somebody like a Ty Dollar Sign and, you know, let's keep it 100, Ty Dollar Sign makes ratchet R&B, right, and. Yeah, incredible melodies though. Incredible uh, at 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 making catchy hooks. Incredible at songwriting. Um, but I always wonder, did you get a sense of like because you know, like Ty Dolla Sign's hook to his songs? Like I seen two of my bitches in the club, mm-hmm. and I know they know about each other. You know yeah. what I mean? With a with a dad with that type of musical background, you know, is you, he disappointed? You know, I asked the question. Okay. Of course, yes. I was so like, let's I, get said, to how do you, I said, "How do you feel about your son's content?" Yeah, and he was like, "I don't even know if I'm, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying this, but he was. <laughs> it was awesome. He was like, yeah. Ty doesn't want to make that kind of music like that. Yeah. Like, he wants to do some some more positive, uplifting music. But mm. this is how he's gonna get his fan base. So this is what they want. Yeah, yeah. And I was just, you know, I was just blown away yeah. <laughs> because the whole time I was sitting there, like this dude is a, is a legit professional super smart guy super sharp and listening to Ty's music I I always you know from jump I was like man this guy knows what's up like he knows how to engineer his projects mm-hmm. uh, you know I don't think he's the best songwriter by any means but I think he knows how to convey like what he's trying to convey in his music he's I very like he's convincing hit maker exactly he makes hits yeah yeah hits That's like different. super catchy music catchy music Stuff that's literally like the most relevant type of R&B you can make today. Today, right now. Yeah. No one can see Ty Dolla Sign in my eyes as far as that, that like cross between R&B and hip hop, yeah. which which is kind of like, you know, it's definitely ratchet. But mm-hmm. yeah, his, his dad was like, yeah, I mean, he can make a lot of type of music. He said that when he was making the other kind of music, people weren't listening to it. Mm. And I mean... You know he's a sad story. I know, right? And 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 it led to further discussion. But I think at the end of the day, it's just like the music industry is a crazy place. It's hard to really like win. Yeah, you know, I was talking to Double O from Kids in the Hall. Yep. Last night, and um, did they stay out here? Uh, Double O does. Okay. Um, and he was saying that <laughs> basically. You know, like you're saying, it's hard to win in the music industry, and that there is, there's a bunch of people 
that are basically like just doing okay, and then <laughs> and then there are people who are like really winning, but those people are hit makers. You know, it's like the only, the thing that separates these people. You know, like for instance, people in the underground, or if you look at like the underground, I, I was I said, well, what what do you think about Haim? Right, I was like Haim. It's huge. Haim, in my eyes, are like superstars and they're big and they're like, you know, basically the best new band of last year. They reach, you know, a wide audience. White people love them. Black people love them. Black people don't, aren't as hip, but yeah, you know what I mean? Say, but yeah. there's but there's black people that really mess with Haim. And, you know, but, but Double O said, he was like, yeah, they're like, they're like at the top of the bottom. You know what I mean? Because they don't have a hit. Yeah, and when you don't have a hit record, it's like you're you can be as big as you want, but you're always it's at you're at a certain level. You're not mentioned in the conversations with the Rihannas, the Beyonces, the Jay Zs, yeah. and these type of people. Mm-hmm. And and it's just hits that separate them. So that's kind of, I think that's like one of the the craziest things about the music industry is that you could be doing it for so long, and you can be so, you know, you can be a working musician, um, but there's almost like a glass ceiling you reach until you have a hit record. Sure, but this is the other thing, though. I think that you don't have to have a hit to be, like, successful. No, musician. that's the other point. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I mean? No, it's like, I know a lot of artists that they've got their fan base, and they're straight. They're making money off merch and doing all of that. They may not be in these big conversations, but they can still drive a nice car and come home to a nice crib. Live a simple life, yeah. Yeah, they can live good. And, I mean, it, it just depends on what you want. I also think fame eats eats people alive like yeah. you've seen it there's oh, so many oh, people yeah. that are like look everyone out there like everyone in the spotlight is rocked you seen Bieber all yeah. got arrested yeah. today okay. right I, nah I think he, he got, got arrested out. again dog oh, I thought it was let out today racing like oh my god street racing drunk they pulled him out the whip he was cursing oh, talking man. reckless in his in his uh, mugshot, he's smiling like it's crazy. Yeah, I just I remember this kid. I, man, I interviewed him. We're in a Ritz Carlton right now. I mm-hmm. interviewed him in a Ritz Carlton in DC for real. Uh, <laughs> early on, back when um, baby. Nah, this was before baby. This was uh, this was sure earlier. This was this was the the first joint. Yeah, was when that? I met you, got my heart went knock knock. Adam Butterflies in my stomach. I wasn't what really is that hip. song? I wasn't uh, really ever hip to Bieber until like. Oh my recently. gosh! It was his first song. It was uh. It'll come to you. Yeah, it'll come to me. But you know, um, it's funny, man. I had some crazy Bieber stories, man, because I, I was I was really cool with Scooter Braun. Yeah. Obviously, he's his manager, and mm-hmm. at the time, because I would I would interview Asher Roth back when I was in DC. Yeah. And I was you know going going to nine thirty, seeing Asher open up for Cuddy, mm-hmm. and uh. Or back to, actually, I think Cuddy was open up for Asher at that time. No way. That's yeah. The <laughs> Music industry is wild. Oh man, but um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I know they were both performing. Um, and then Scooter was just like, "Yo, man, Jabari, I got this new kid, Bieber." And I was Ooh. like, oh, "Wow." <laughs> I was like, "All right, let me see." Like, and it's funny, me and Mike Wax from Ill Roots. Yeah. We just were like, you know, we were all, and after this, we're going to talk about how me and you met, but uh, me and Mike Wax would get on Skype with Scooter Braun, Uh and Scooter would play us records from Bieber that, like, was never released. I mean, we was listening to, like, Bieber and the Cool Kids, stuff that that never would see the light of day right now, Uh but I've heard the records with those two, and it would just be like an hour on Skype listening to these Bieber records, and Scooter would be like, oh, do you think that's good? Which one? Like, da-da-da-da. And 
you know, and then uh, That's tight. yeah, man. Now look at him. Wiseman used to do that with me. Yeah, Wiseman. Wiseman. Shout out to Dan Wiseman. Yeah, man. He put, he's the plug. He's my first uh, plug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's my first plug. legit plug. I think Scooter was my first For real plug. Yeah, and they grew. You know, they went to school together. They yeah, were like Emory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Atlanta. I tried to. Uh, I got rejected from Emory. It was so sad. I was trying to be in the A. Whatever, I made it out. <laughs> um, so you and I met in. Let's. I. I. I feel like we always talk about like when. I don't think I you try, know. I think. I, I think don't. The first time I met you was outside nine thirty. You were on your super grind, and okay. I seen you. I. Remember, I just had seen you on the internet, and I was like, dog. I just said, what's up? I was like, yo, yeah. I fuck with what you're doing. Like, I see you out here working. Yeah. And you were just like, yo, what's up? And then you went in the. And then you went into the joint. Was I interviewing somebody? Yeah, you were waiting for somebody. You were, you were like, I'm out here working. Like you were waiting for somebody. Wow. You weren't really trying to talk. Oh, no man. disrespect yeah, to me. Man. It was just kind of like you were like, Yo, good to meet you. Like, what's I up? Was so focused Appreciate in college, it. Yeah, man. you were, and you had somebody. I don't know. If, I don't know if you were just with you or you had some people it with you. It was me and one guy. Yeah, Zach, who his rap name was Artic Articulate. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, he's he kind of fell off the face of the earth, but uh. <laughs> yeah, I think but, he told me about that. He literally just disappeared. Yeah, he was my roommate. Everything he yeah. just bounced. Um, but all the best to him. Uh, but yeah, I mean we, yeah. So that, but I, I remember after that maybe because I don't even remember that. But after that, I think you and I would see each other at random events in DC when. But you were at Boston College and I was at Howard, and I think. I think it was something at Durkle where we might have yeah. had that first real conversation, uh-huh. and uh, and Durkle is a DC brand, by the way. Uh, Shout out to Will Sharp. Shout out to Will Sharp, man. He's the man. One of my really good friends. Um, but yeah, shout so out we to, started. Shout out to Lucas Pierce too. Lucas, Lu- yes. Lucas, Lucas is actually I think the reason why I was hip to Durkle because he was out Lucas there. is the reason I, I was connecting initially as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the plug. Shout out to Lucas. Yeah. Heard he's in New York, hustling. Um, Respect. Um, yeah, but we met there, and then, I think after that, we started, uh, I think we, I, I was going to, uh, at the time, dc2bc.com, which is what you were running. Yes, And yes. I think I realized, and let's get, what, around, what time frame is this? What year is this? This uh, is... 07, 08. 07, 08. That's when, that's when it started to jump. Okay. So, so then, I... Would go to your blog, and then we would talk a lot on Gmail, which you still do to this day. Yeah, uh, we talk on Gmail chat, and I would just I just realized how much of a musical sense you had, and I think it's funny because a lot of people don't know this, but people always because I have visuals, I was always interviewing artists and putting it up online. People would look at me as like, "Oh man, you know what's gonna pop, man?" Because mm-hmm. oh, you interview Nicki Minaj, and then. Six months later, she's huge. Yeah. Or you interview Justin Bieber and da da da. But what people don't know is, I just looked at basically my friends yeah. and what they were listening to, and you were one of them. And yeah. I would go to dcdbc.com <laughs> and be like, "Oh, Kid Cudi, who's this? All right, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna check this guy out." Or, "Oh, Fat Trail, okay. Yeah. Oh, Tabby Benet, like Wale, and and it was all these names." That all those people are out here, by the way, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. They all made it. Yeah, and mm. that's the thing. It's like <laughs> I would. You know, it was a mixture of a lot of people, but you were definitely top three in terms of people whose music selection I respected so much that I would always dig deeper into those those artists. And it's funny because, like, I mean, even now, Kid Cudi, he's literally my favorite artist. And you actually had the first interview 
with Kid Cudi. We did. Ever. Yeah, it was nuts. It was so <laughs> Talk crazy. about that. Uh, I was interning at Def Jam, and I remember my boss, Fabian Lays. Uh, I, I was just scrambling around on MySpace. I found this song, Day and Night. Mm-hmm. had like 57 plays on the joint daily. <laughs> I was like, this is the nuttiest song I've ever heard. Yeah, I was literally going nuts over it. No joke, <laughs> nuts in the office. And I was trying to get Fab to give it to Jay Brown, who was the A&R. She was A&R coordinator. I was like, yo, Fab, you got to listen. You got to listen. You got to listen. Yeah. Fab really was not trying to listen. <laughs> Jay Brown said it wasn't tight. I said, fine. Yeah. I MySpace at the time was how I connected with artists. I hit Wale. That's how I met Wale off MySpace. Oh yeah. And he, I met so many people. He started MySpace, hitting me off yeah. off my my sidekick. And when he yeah. came to Def Jam, <laughs> the only reason I was able to like he knew me. He walked in the building. He dabbed me up. We talked. Like he, he we used to talk about Camp Low because he loved Camp Low. We used to talk yeah. about all that. I ran into him yesterday at, at Todd Dollar Sign. He was there. Wow. And just like he, it's cool because he still remembers me, like. I think it's always cool when these artists that blow up yeah, still yeah, know who still, I yeah, am. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's, like, a, that's, what? that's incredible, that, right? I remember yeah. I seen you. You were interviewing. You were doing something that love one time. Kevin Durant was there. Yeah. While they was there. While they see me, he'd be like, what's up, Modi? And yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> like, how do you still know who I am? Shit. Yeah, we, but, we, it was, I think Wale and I were having a conversation, and then he's just like, Modi, yeah, come over here. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I just think that's, that's crazy because we're meeting off the internet. You feel me? Straight off the internet. MySpace messages. He used to. He supported. He's the reason that we. That's my first. Because that was my real plug. Wiseman and him. Yeah. They used to put on for us. Send out the MySpace bulletins with DC to BC, like dedicated DC to BC blast. Yeah. He's like, yo, bulletins. check this out. This is the first time I released my song on this blog. This is when music blogs weren't jumping like that. Yeah. Um, I feel like I lost. What was I trying to say? Well, uh, we were talking about Cuddy and how you had the first. Ah, uh, first interview. Okay, so they didn't like him. Like yeah. that. They weren't hype. I was Def hype. Def Jam wasn't Def hype. Def Jam wasn't hype. Yeah. Not saying I was like pushing this to say, hey, best artist ever. But I was like, yo. Like Fab was like, yo, you know, you're in, interning in A&R. If you like some music, mm-hmm. give it to me and I'll give it a listen. And mind you, com- coming from a major label, I worked at Capitol for two years. They don't listen to this is, the exact, <laughs> they don't... this is the exact problem with major <laughs> record labels right now. For any major le- record label person listening, start listening to the youngest people in the exactly. label. Because they always know I'm gonna tell what you is this. next. We period. have interns for DJ to BC and... Youngest kid, Deron, just turned 18. He is so much hipper than I am. He's nine years younger than me. Yeah. He knows what the kids want, and the kids Absolutely. run the world. Like, if you look at Tumblr, it's kids out here just setting the trends, making the fashion, yep. making the music, yep. starting these movements, and that's the game changer. Like, at that point, I was a part of that. Now I'm six years older doing some other stuff. Yeah. Like, sorry, I'm, I'm 27 now. Just much older, but I digress. Anyway, I, I I sent a message to Cuddy uh, on MySpace, and we just coordinated an interview for when I went back to school yeah. for radio. And he called in to our bootleg show. It was running on AM off the whack. It was so <laughs> whack. He called in. We asked him any question for, like, 15 minutes. He was super cool. Afterwards, you know, when we went to, like, commercial break or not commercial but we put music on yeah. he was like yo how did I do like how was it I was like dog that was incredible thank you for sharing your story Yeah, he was telling about how he moved from Cleveland to Brooklyn all of that no one had ever heard this story before <laughs> I mean not on the airwaves oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. and it's crazy I don't even know what that, that is like if I can dig that up yeah 
Ooh, that's <laughs> that's some internet yeah. gold right yeah, there. Yeah, that, that is. But yeah, man, I ran into him at the Babe store because he used to work at the Babe store, and I used to yeah. take like my pil- pilgrimage to to New York. That was like, you know, the coolest place you can go to on spring break. I didn't go home. I went to New York. Yeah. Ran into him there. He sold me a Babe crew neck, and I was like, Yo, man. Uh, I interviewed you on the radio like a few weeks ago. He was like, "Oh shit!" So he took a second, he took like a smoke break, and talked to me outside and was telling me about everything he was about to do. He was like, "Yo, like I'm not even gonna be able to work here anymore. It's about to get crazy." Me, I was like, "Oh, this guy's got a big head." Oh, and I wrote a blog post about it. Yeah, this is the time my blog wasn't huge, and neither was he. But he had just been signed to Kanye. Mm. He seen the blog post. He was furious. <laughs> And I think that's what that's what turned him on right yeah. there. I wouldn't talk a smack. I was more like, "Yo, he just dropped some songs that that were Lucy's that he just was talking about a new this tape." This was before a kid named Cuddy. Yeah, right His before he was dra- okay. dropping these these Lucy's, and yeah. they weren't tight. And I was just like, "I think he needs to go a little harder because like he can't, he, he just can't drop from that day and night sound." Yeah, not yeah. saying he had to make the same music, but he had to have consistent records. And the Lucy's didn't make the project, so at the end of the day, I wasn't saying anything. Wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, look, like, I think he's a beast, but this better not be what his album sounds, his, his project sounds like, because <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be a problem. Yeah. Anyway, that's when I think I start, I stopped writing ne- anything negative about artists. I, I actually mm. said. Now, didn't it, there's a rumor that Marcel told me? This is literally like last night he told okay. me this. He was like, somewhere Kid Cudi was asked like something like, "What do you think about Modi?" And he was yep. like, "Fuck Modi." Yeah. So, so was that because of this blog post? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, but he called me Madi. Oh, okay. And he has a song where he says, "Shout out to the Madis." <laughs> but the thing is, he says hotties. Yeah, I was gonna say, but the thing is, I don't really know what he says. <laughs> yeah, he says hotties. Okay. Shout out to them hotties. Uh, if he did hotties. say that, I'd be like, "Yo, he still remembers me." He came to uh, BC, which was tight. Wale came to BC. J Cole came to BC. Shouted DC the BC out on stage. Yeah, both of them did, which was so tight. <laughs> Nice man. Um, so okay, so you're you're in college. You got this blog. It's popping off. People are coming to it, visiting it. You're meeting artists from it. Is it is it then that you realized I want to work in the music industry in some capacity? Or um, at that point, I had no idea what I wanted to do. At that point, I was going to class and instead of paying attention, I was blogging. Mm. And then after I didn't, you know, I graduated and I didn't have a job. I was like, man, let me go to New York and pursue. Something. So I, I uh, my man Ernest, who I actually ran into last night, mm-hmm. he was a big supporter of the blog when he was entering at Complex. He was about a year younger than me, maybe two. Yeah. And uh, he always was telling Complex people like, "Yo, this dude Modi's got a dope blog. Check him out." Blah blah blah. So he was stamping me super hard. Ernest Baker. Ernest Shout Baker. Out to him. Yep. What a legend, though. He's a legit legend on the internet. He's a good oh guy. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really know him that well, but every time that we've like talked yo, and stuff, I've been like, "Yeah, this is a cool dude." He's very smart. Like, yeah. At the end of the day, he's very smart. He's like, he, I feel like there could be a movie about him being the protagonist. Mm. And it would be a tight-ass movie. But a dope director would have to do it. Okay. He's he's another type of guy. Um, yeah, so he got basically got me in the door at Complex because he was stamping me for my resume. And they, they asked me to come through. I hopped on a bus. That day, once I got the confirmation, I was in and out, literally. I was in the office for 15 minutes. Yeah. Four hours there, 15 minutes there, went back, same day. Back to Boston. Either bus, nah, I was out of school at this point. Oh, so I was at this in point DC. you're in D.C., okay. Yeah. 
So then I got the job or the internship. I was asked to come up, I think, early January, early February. Yeah. Worked there for like six, seven months. At, th- at that time, I interviewed. This is, I think at this time, we were both running around New York because I was. You had a job, though, I think. I was at you Capitol. Were, you were finessing. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. struggling yeah. living in my former in- intern mates. My man Aristotle Torres basically taught me a lot about the game. Yeah. I was living in his extra room, him and his girlfriend. Ali had just seen them the other day. This world is so small. It's small, I love man. It. It's so small. So they were holding me down with extra room in the crib. I was, like, doing odd jobs to stay afloat in New York, which is tough, you yeah. know. New York is tough. Even if you have a, a regular salary, like, I don't even know how people live. Yeah. I was dying, dog. Bro, there was, was a, there was a point where I was making $50,000 a year in New York, roughly around there. Uh-huh. And anywhere else in the world, <laughs> you'd be you could make that. And you'd be all right. Bro, I was... I was eating ramen noodles. You know what I mean? Like yeah, New York's expensive, man. Rent's expensive. Like man. walking around, moving around. It's too many people. I don't really like New York like that, but I do love it every time I, I do a stint there. Anyway, I was there for like seven months, and then uh, they weren't hiring. But I got a job at Dr. J's writing as a blogger. Yeah, I remember that. And that wasn't the move. The woman <laughs> yeah, who hired that. me, <laughs> her name is uh, Simone Boss Lady. Uh, I don't know what she's doing now. I think she's working I with just uh, Rounds. doing something uh, with Monster Cables. Oh, uh, okay. I, I think I've seen her at, at, at A3C. I've seen Maybe. her in Atlanta. I've seen her from afar. Okay. And, uh, yeah, she. I mean, she believed in me, but basically this is what happened. My best friend's two brothers died in a car accident, and I left New York to go, like, you know, see my man's family and... and mm. Do all of that. Yeah, I remember. And I was gone for a long time, but I told her, I said, hey, I can't come back right now. Like, I literally, and this was literally, I think, BT Weekend Mm -hmm. Awards happened right then. Right then. Yeah. So I was literally partying that weekend, and my best friend's two brothers had just passed. I was in L.A. I didn't have any bread, so I couldn't just buy a ticket to come back. I literally just had to ride it out. (laughs) And then once I hit the ground, once I came back, I went straight to D.C. Literally the same day I got back from, I think I was in New York. Went straight to D.C. with my, my man Nash's family. Uh, just, you know, there for the man because, I mean, it was, it was my best friend. Yeah. Just lost two brothers at the same time in a car accident, two younger brothers. Crazy. And I wasn't there for, like, the biggest time he would he would have needed me there. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I felt super bad about that, and I went back home. And I told Simone that I wasn't coming back anytime soon. Like I, She wanted me to come back like the next day. And I said, I'm going to be here for the week. Yeah. And she was like, all right, well, if you're going to be there for a week, like, I'm firing you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I just never went back to New York, for real. Yeah, yeah. At that time, it was like, I remember we would talk about whether you should be in New York or D.C. And when that happened... You were kind of just like that, kind of sealed the deal, and you were like, "I just need to kind of be in DC and May." I remember your words were kind of something to the to the exact <laughs> words of, "I have, like, I want to make it pop in my hometown." You know what I mean? Like, sure. I want to put my city on. I want to, I want to make, you know, this sort of music industry that we work in. I want to make people know that like there's a lot it to exists. be said, and and yeah, there's there's a there's a whole culture down here in DC. Sure. And I think that you guys at DC to BC and what you guys have done with Trelectro, which we'll get into, has like really 
showing people that that's that whole area is just there's a lot of stuff there. You know what I mean? I think so, man. It's a rich it's a rich in culture area for sure. For sure, and I think uh, I mean it's hard. To, it's really hard to. I mean, I think we could do a much better job, but I think it's just like, you know, we're only. It's super hard to to really encompass everything. That's going on in D.C. Because there's so many movements. I respect a lot of movements. Mm-hmm. When you're throwing a festival and it's your property, you have to understand, like, one, you have to make money, right? Two, you have to make sure, like, it, it falls in line with your ideals and, and everything. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a lot of work. We didn't make money the first year at all. Like, we so, put in so much time and effort and took so many L's, but yeah. learned so much. Second year... Hold on, hold on. Before you go, I just, before you go into <laughs> this, I, I, for, for, for those that don't know... Modi uh, is a part of a of a company and a collective and really just a group of friends called DC to BC and they throw a music festival in DC that is in its uh, just finished its second year and it's called Trilectro and it is a hip hop and electronic music festival and to me as somebody who uh, I didn't grow up in DC by any means but I went to Howard so I went to school in DC spent four years of my life there. And was really involved in the DC music scene and got to see a lot of things change, happen, saw the city change, saw, you know, some of these artists that we're talking about, Fatrell, Wale, Tabby Benet, uh, and a whole bunch of other guys sort of come up in that, that scene and just was a part of it. I think that what with what you guys are doing with Trelectro, um, I just think it's so necessary for DC and I think that a lot of people in D.C. feel the same way and respect it even more because it is from a whole bunch of people that are from the area. You know what I mean? Yeah, So sure. that is what Trilectro is, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, ex- sort of explain um, that, man, and, and, and how you guys got the idea yeah, to, I mean, to do it. It's pretty simple. So at this point, uh, I had, I think I just got laid off from my gig at this marketing agency. And I was on unemployment. Mm-hmm. Had all this extra time. I could, like, float around, kind of do whatever. Um, In Coachella. Yeah. I heard about it. I had some friends that went the year before, and they were like, yo, you guys got to go. It's crazy. I saw the lineup. I was like, this is nuts. There was all this hoopla on the internet about it. And I was like, man, I actually, it wasn't even me. I think someone said it, and I was just like, yeah, I'll definitely go. I got time. I got a little bread. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, some of my complex friends, Chester, Dom, um, they were like, yo, let's do it. So we got a big group together, like 25 or 30 people. We all went, and it was a life-changing experience. You see all these people that come. They tr- all travel to, I mean, most of them live in California, but we traveled across the country. Yeah. Then rented a car, drove to Indio, camped out for three days, and just hung out with friends for the sake of great music. Yeah. You know, it brought everyone together. It was like just a hippie experience, and I really loved it. Uh, and after we came back from that, we were all on that kind of like Coachella high. Mm-hmm. And we came back and we're like, yo, that was the best three days ever. Like, we need to do something like that in our city. And I remember being in Quinn's house. We were all kind of bouncing ideas off each other, like trying to figure out what we wanted to do, what we would call this idea that we had, which was basically creating a movement like that in our own city that we could grow and we keep it organic. It's not like, you know... Just keep it organic. Yeah. Something that's really like a representation of what we like and who we are. Yeah. And, you know, Quinn at the time was working at Sirius XM, so he was putting me and Marcel onto all this electronic music. We weren't hip to that. 
I had been a hip hop head and like a kind of like post Pharrell era head, Pharrell era Timbo head. That's what that's what I the school I came from. So I don't know. We just wanted to kind of create something that that I don't know was was all of that. And I remember I don't know who said it, but I I I'm always gonna claim that I said it. <laughs> I said it. Trelectro, because at first it was Trillfest, and that just oh, didn't really yeah. like, go. <laughs> yeah. But Trelectro, once that was said, everybody was like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, And we yeah. went to go get our pens and papers and laptops, started writing down ideas, and just built it. And we started telling people we wanted to do it, and people were like, nah, you don't have enough time. Because at this point, it was Coachella's, what, April? It was, you know, and it was literally days after Coachella, maybe the day after. Mm. And we just got the idea. We started working on it. Then we pitched it to people. They were like, no, nah, you can't do this. You need at least a year, two years to build this. That's what one person who will remain nameless said. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, mm, okay. Still went and tried to do it. We emailed all these artists that we wanted. We had, we had done a Kendrick Lamar show and a Fat Trail show, so we had two shows under our belt okay. by this time. But we weren't, I didn't. I mean, I think it was crazy ambitious that we said we wanted to do a music festival. And we didn't really think about, like Marcel always says this, we didn't really know what we were doing. We kind of jumped into it without really thinking about it super hard. So we yeah, weren't yeah. really discouraged by the actual like things that we should have been discouraged about. Like yeah. we were, we had no fear, and yeah. I think that's what changed the game. Because like we weren't worried about anything. Even the thing is, the day of the festival is when you realize, damn, we about to spend a lot of money, almost six figures on this thing, and we're all broke. Yeah. You know, only person. Yeah, I, I didn't have a job at the time, so I was like super broke, and all the money that I had ever made was going into this. You know. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure everyone loaned me some of the bread. I was I've been paying it back for a long time. I yeah. paid it back for like a year. <laughs> you know, before I could could say I didn't owe anyone any money. But yeah. You know, we built it. It 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 worked. People came out. We kind of represented the new. We had Schoolboy Q headline who had done the, the Kendrick show for us. Uh. The year before, um, it was just a really good experience. And although it wasn't the greatest, like, you know, it definitely had its its growing pains. Mm-hmm. But overall, people said it was one of the greatest events they've ever been to in D.C. And a lot of these people aren't fortunate enough to go across the country and hit Coachella. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. this was their Coachella. Yeah. You know, and I think th- to be able to bring that experience to so many people and make so many people happy. And the cool thing is the brand was super organic, like, there was no face to it. We had good art direction. We teamed up with this artist named artist named Sita yeah. from DC, who was like old school. Like she came from the underground like music and graffiti scene. So she was super hip as to what was going on in DC from DC. A little older than us, um, but artistically one of the best to, to ever do it out of out of the city. Mm. I actually saw her art on the mirror, and I hit her off the email address on there, and I was like, "Yo, I need you to do our art." Yeah. And after I tracked her down, she was down, you know. If you have a good idea, man. Anybody, she was down with it after yeah. I after we kind of painted it out for her. Yeah. And you know, I think uh it, it just really turned out well. We did we had really good branding and I think that's what drew people to it. People traveled for that. People came from oh, yeah. all over for that. I know people that came from Miami. People that came from like it was literally like some crazy stuff. I couldn't believe yeah. we did it. <laughs> this is just It was nuts. My idea. Oh my god. Okay, what then, because you, you got, the thing is with all of you, you kind of, you stumbled into all of this. You know what I mean? It's not like you set out. There was no path. Yeah, I mean, you were blogging. I'll say this, though. Were, uh, I always had an idea. I always wanted to put on. Yeah. And it was just like, 
whatever I, I I don't think I never I never really have a the exact idea. I just have like the like some people know I'm gonna go work on Wall Street and then I'm gonna go do this. Mm-hmm. I just have the idea like I want to put on for my city, however I can. Okay. So any opportunity I can to blog, boom. I was I had people like Nando McFly, who's now Nike Nando, who's Nike now Nando. opening for Dom Kennedy on our Dom Kennedy show tomorrow, which we're doing, and we're <laughs> we're in L.A., which is tight. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know. Um, who, who's speaking of Nike Nando, who just did the, the the theme song to my new web series, Follow Me. Wow. Yeah, for that's real? Nike Nando on the intro. Yo, that's crazy. Just because I that's think crazy. he's a good kid, man. I he's a good to kid, good artist, and I seen him grow. Quinn put him on, when Quinn was uh, interning at PGC or KYS, I think it was PGC, he asked me, yo, Modi, I need some music for like new artists, like they had like a six o'clock new artist segment. Yeah. And I gave him this, AB the producer produced uh, song. He flipped the Daft Punk uh, one more time and yeah. crushed it. The song's called Sick. Mm. And I loved it because it rocked. It's just, AB the producer is one of the best producers to ever come out the city. Yeah, he's and I mean, Nando was on the craziest beat, so I passed it. They put that on the radio. Mm-hmm. And that, I feel like, you know, when you, you know, if you're an artist and you hear your song on the radio, that'll motivate you forever to work hard. Yeah. He's been working hard since then, because I don't know how seriously he took hip-hop music until he had heard himself on the radio. And the fact that we can now give him an opportunity to, to open for Dom Kennedy yeah. on, in, a, in a venue that holds 2,000 people from, you know, that's just nuts to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I said, I've always, I say that because he was one of the first DC artists I ever blogged, you know, yeah. first people that were sending me music because he saw it and was like, damn, this is the perfect way I can get my stuff out there. Yeah, and yeah. he appreciated it. Him, people like Lyricist, G2, Tabby, Wale, of course, Trail, yeah. like so many people, they yeah. all, they, they all like went through us at some point and they're all, you know. Working hard to get on. Yeah, they're 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 either, you know, a way bigger fan base. I mean, everybody that you mentioned has a, a bigger fan base out now, and uh, and some people are just like you know they're really doing it. Like it's crazy. Really, I really, I really, in this thing. I love it. Um, so okay, so before we get out of this sort of music area, man, uh, Trilectro is now in its second year. And about to be third. About to be third. Yeah, second finish. So it's about to be third. What, what, what are the biggest things that you've learned? Because you know this is all independent. A lot of people don't realize it. This is we're talking about a music festival that went from what five thousand people the first year maybe. To, yeah, five thousand to ten thousand to ten thousand. Right. Trying to get to and, that ten to fifteen this year. We'll exactly. See. And this is all independent, man. It's it's there's there's no big company involved there's no AEG there's no there's no money literally we don't have no no funding (laughs) except us exactly and we're broke while it's going on because all of our bread is going going straight to to everything so what I mean two questions this is a two part question is like what are the things that you know now that you didn't know the first go round but also man what is the for some some of these people that are gonna be listening to this are like, man, how do I do something like that? How do I throw a music festival in my city, or how do I even throw a concert, or how do I do anything? You know, it's like, what is your, what do you say to people that are sort of trying to follow in your footsteps in in that regard? Great question. Well, the first part, what what don't I, what what, what did I learn basically? Yeah. 
a lot, man. I think it's uh, just about how to approach people. Mm. That's one big thing, especially these organizations. If you want sponsorship, if you want to work with these artists and these agencies that have the artists, you've got to know how to approach it. Yeah. You've got to understand uh, just the marketplace, how much artists cost, how, how early you have to book people, how to kind of haggle and bargain and... Who to even contact? Negotiate. Sure. Exactly. That's when it gets tough because everyone has a plug and then you talk to them and it's not really the, the, the move. <laughs> There's always right somebody person. that, does not, you know, your homie does not know. <laughs> your homie does not know. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're in the music industry for real, your homie does not know these artists like that. Yeah. And they can't help you because they want to, their agents are trying to make the most money for them. Yep. Um, I think it's just, uh, but, but really I think a bigger message here is probably branding, like understanding how to brand. How to make sure you, you know to align your brand with the ideals and the values and everything that you want to, to represent because we didn't have you know the first year we literally did not know what it was going to look like i just started writing stuff like literally wrote a paragraph and painted this vivid picture mm. and that's what i planted in people's heads so we pushed it to that to everyone when we would talk about it that's what that's how we describe it glow sticks and gold grills you know mm. like Talking about just a vision, like on some I have a dream speech shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And that's what I think. And then having the branding kind of fall in line with that vision. And mm-hmm. to talking, working close with the designer. Mind you, we had never met before. This was all over the internet. She was back, back and forth between New York and D.C. Mm-hmm. And also, we just were really good at using the internet, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, and people think that. Wow. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's my car. Uh. Oh, but yeah. uh, you know, you you say you being good at using the internet. There's a good way to use the internet, and there's a bad way to use the internet, especially when it comes to uh, trying to be any type of trying to do any type of networking or trying to do any type of career driven things. You know, there's a way that you send an email. Yep. There's exactly. a way that you you know even just follow up with somebody when you meet somebody somewhere. It's like I always say, I'm the king of the follow up. If I meet <laughs> you and I get your email, I don't care about who you are, anything like that, I'm going to send you an email. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's just, like... And yeah, that's kind of... Course. Even in a, in a selfish way, because I want you to watch one of my videos. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and I want to, like, add another name to my email list. For so sure. it's like, you and know... plus, when you do it, and, like, this will happen. You do that, right? You do that when you're nobody, and you start to become somebody, people remember. Yeah. Oh, man, that was the kid that sent me an email. Yep. You know, I met Kevin Lyles... At Ty Dolla Sign last night, mm-hmm. he was familiar with Trelectro. Yeah. He was familiar. I didn't have to say anything about it. Because he was like, oh, Trelectro dude. I'm from Baltimore. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> shit, this is crazy. Yeah. Shout out to Low Key, by the way. He was the person that made that intro, which was super cool of him. Yeah, Low Key's a man. He did host Trelectro this year and murdered yeah, it. Yeah, he's such was, a, he's a great live host. Yeah, he, he yeah. did a good job, man. Um, And so, yeah, so what would you say to people that are trying to do it in their city or trying to, you know, just do something remotely, uh, you know, big and, and make an impact? Man, um, I would just say kind of understand your culture. Like, be a part of it. Don't just be one of those internet goons. Like, I go to these shows. I'm handing out the flyers, so I'm literally interacting with our audience. I know what they want. Mm-hmm. I'm literally in the field. More than just the internet. More than just yeah, being yeah, good yeah. on the internet. Yeah. Internet helps. For sure, but like if you're not there handing out these flyers, you don't really understand what's going on mm-hmm. uh, with your exact demo. You don't know what parties are the hot parties, where people hang out, what people are listening to, um, who in your city is making the best music, um, 
you know, where all of these folks hang out. In New York, I was in the Lower East Side last night. I ran into all these all these kids that kind of run that downtown scene. Yeah. And like you got to know what's you got to know where that is in every city. Mm-hmm. If you understand that, it depends on what's going on. Like we're catering towards that crowd, but you just know your audience. Know yeah. them, know where they are, know how they think. Be part of it, you know? Yeah. Because if you, if you are that, it's so much easier. It's like yeah. when Kanye was talking about how he used to rap about stuff that he didn't relate to. It was harder. But when he started rapping about stuff that came naturally for him to talk about, it was so easy mm-hmm. because it just kind of flowed. And that's how I think Trelectro is, you know? It just comes naturally. Like, it's part of us. We like yeah. that music. We we go to these shows. Um, it's It's just what we, you know, who we are. And... I don't know. And also, I think it helps to be able to communicate with different cultures because that's what Trilectro, it, it bridges the gap between these cultures. I went to a school with predominantly white people, Boston College included. I went to, I'm, I'm black, played on all black basketball teams from Nigeria, go to Nigeria every other year, can communicate with pretty much anybody. You mm-hmm. know, there's no real boundary there. Uh, except when it comes to language. But, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, I think being a good communicator helps, at least helps me kind of talk to anybody about the festival and figure out a way that they can can appreciate it. It They may not appreciate everything, but you can find something that they can appreciate. So, I don't know. I think it's at the end of the day, though, it's a team thing. Like, you have to know your skill set and know what you can do well, have people that do, you know, what they do well, and work together to kind of accomplish this, this, uh, this goal. I mean, that's how we did it. Not all of my teammates have the same skill set. We all do different things. But when you come together like Voltron and make it work, it just works. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the team expanded. We got five members now. Everyone's got a different skill set, like I said. And it's super important to, to know who's, who does what and, and how they do it best. Like, my job is, like, business development and marketing. Jason knows how to strategize. Marcel handles the numbers and crunches them when need be. Eric is kind of like, okay, what is what is needed? Like, put me on a task and I'll get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone can do that. That's that's something that people don't get. A lot of people have too much pride. To exactly. <laughs> I mean, shoot. And and a, a lot of people, not only do they have too much pride, they just don't know how to actually complete a task. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> harder than that. It's yeah. harder than people think. Mm-hmm. You just have to work. You just have to work on. Following through and doing it. Yeah. And then Go Quinn, to TaskRabbit.com. Maybe you'll learn something. <laughs> I'm going to check that out. <laughs> and Quinn, of course, is the music guy. Yeah. You know? Uh, I used to be that guy, but I think Quinn knows music. Just He's also a DJ. So he literally is He's in the field. He knows the music. He knows what's being played. He knows who's hot. He knows what's, you know, all of that stuff. So yep. having all of those people doing what they do, we couldn't really be stopped as far as the movement we're trying to create. Yeah. It's like super organic. It's not forced. We have no big corporations involved. We got people that rock with us. We got shout outs from big magazines and big brands that, that you know align with us. But at the end of the day, it's just some kids that have had an idea and executed it. Yeah. And then we convinced the city to believe in it. And here we are going into mayor, a third year. The mayor of D.C. Not FYI. even. Not even. I'm from Maryland, bro. <laughs> no, I'm saying the mayor of D.C. was Oh, on my God, that's embarrassing. <laughs> that's embarrassing. I thought you were calling me the mayor. But truth be told, the mayor the, was the mayor of at Trelectro. The was at Trelectro, On stage. Gentlemen. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know he was going to be there. He just yeah. heard about it. And he was like, this is where I'm going to talk to these kids. Yeah. <laughs> but And I mean, at the end of the day, too, you guys are all good people, man. And I think that's why we all sort of have hey a man, friendship thanks. and Appreciate rock it. out. Um, yeah, so... 
All right, Modi has to take a call from the big boss <laughs> at his job, so we're going to take a break, and we'll be right Thank back. Uh, and it won't even feel like a break to you out there on the internet. Modi just got off his call, uh, so we're back. What's up, what's up? Um, I was on social media while he was on his call. <laughs> uh, and let's talk about that, man. What What is... I think I think both you and I have kind of taken a step back from social media a bit. Um, yeah, I think it it started to consume my life, and yeah. I didn't want to like be run by the internet. Yeah. I mean, I'm still very much on it. I check my email. I've got a cell phone, yeah. a text message. Of course, um, I use all these social networks. I I hit Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook on a daily, but. I'm less, much less active. I'm not pushing and marketing much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I, I am. Like, we're still doing Dom stuff, but it's not nearly as heavy. I think at this point, things are kind of selling themselves. We don't have to push as hard. But personally, I want to talk about personally, you. What? Me me personally, I mean, I like I like Facebook for connecting with friends and seeing what everyone's up to. Because in today's world, like, everyone's super mobile. Everyone's all over the place. You can have a best friend that lives across the country. But since you are connected via, you know everything you can mm. you can still be in the loop and i like to know what's going on uh it's very helpful when you come to another city and you know who's there so you can reach out and say yo are you in town let's go grab some food mm-hmm. i mean i've been pretty i've been fortunate to travel a lot in the last like four months mm-hmm. so to be able to talk to all these people in all these different places uh and connecting them with them through social is very helpful downsides now uh, it, it consumes your life. You become addicted to it. You get an adrenaline rush when you get an update. You mm-hmm. want to see how many people are liking your shit, who's talking about what. Yeah, there's just... literally dopamine that, exactly. that goes off exactly. in your head I heard. when you when, <laughs> I just, heard when you literally just check it. When mm-hmm. you Not even when something happens, but when you when you <sighs> are so consumed like by it. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a like, <sighs> feeling. It's so scary. Yeah, and just because, it's from checking it. Yeah, I heard, so, I heard Jason, my partner, business partner Jason, was talking about it on the panel. And I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, I was sitting there amazed. Shout out to Jason. But but this is this is a problem. Oh yeah, it's a big problem. I mean, the the awesome thing is you can step away from social. I mean, can you? Can you really though? Personal social, yeah. I mean, business, mm-hmm. it depends. But personal, like, I can be ghost from Facebook, and it's not a problem. My life's not going to slow down. I'm not missing anything important mm-hmm. for the in, at least you know in my eyes. I mean. I don't have a TV and I work a lot mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get, get fit. So I go to the gym. Um, so like, I so, spend but there's time. like a level of intentionally stepping away from this stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> you yeah, got to. I, that's my, I think that when you don't intentionally step away from it and if you just are consumed by it and you, it's almost like you don't know that it controls you. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of people living like that. I think that's a big problem within our generation. I think everybody knows, but it's just a scary addiction. Like, who's not addicted to the internet? It's it's legitimately scary. Who's not? My parents are, you know, they're older generation, but they're just getting hip to Facebook and they're on that thing writing notes like it's the move. Mm. Status is, you know, my dad's <laughs> checking in the spots and doing all of that. Yeah. And like, you know, they didn't have that before. There was no way of communicating with everybody. At the same time, like that, so mm-hmm. they're like it's just new to them, and they're very interested in it. Doesn't really matter who you are. I think once you're exposed, it's like whoa, this is a whole new world out here. Yeah, and like it's so much, it's it's some in some ways cooler than reality. Yeah, but see, that's my thing. Is like it's 
it's it's not reality. It's a it's a level of reality, but it's like it's not. But it's that's, because that's people, the appeal. But, no one but, wants to live in the. And no that's the, and that's the bad thing. Yeah, nobody wants to live in the real world. So we that's live why in this. Portland is so cool. Virtual people world. aren't people aren't stuck. People aren't plugged in like that. Mm. People are hiking and yeah. climbing. Yeah, and like you know they've got the Nalgene on their fucking belt. Like these guys. That's why I like Portland a lot because I don't have to be plugged. I mean. I work in digital, so I'm going to be plugged in. Yeah. But my, you know, my my neighbor, I mean, sorry, my roommate, she's skiing and climbing and doing all of that stuff. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, she may watch some scandal, but she's on her. Yeah. She's not. She's not plugged in, and that's cool. Yeah, I know. There's like, there's like eight key things to like a happy lifestyle, and I know being connected with nature is like one of those things. I need um, to get more connected. Yeah, it's very important. Phil Annan, he's one connected. Oh yeah, cat. yeah. Phil is connected he to is, nature for sure. He is nature. Yeah. Um, okay, so so speaking of now what you're doing, you're up in Portland and you're at Nike. Yeah. What what type of life switch has that been from, you know? Oh man, it's been a very positive life switch at the, once I got the, the job, um, it it literally changed my life because I was at like a very strange point mm-hmm. where Trelectro was like uh, so far away and I was eating up all that Trelectro money on just living. Yeah. Um, I hadn't had a Red Bull project. I used to work for Red Bull. Hadn't had a project since September 21st. So like I didn't have any money. Uh, that's, that's when you like you know it's real when you know yeah. the date of the last time <laughs> that check came through. Exactly. So, you know, um, I was it was like a blessing. I had just literally come back from Nigeria. My man Freddie was like, Yo, I have some business to do with uh some what was it Sean Kingston, Takara, a few artists mm-hmm. just wanted to hang out. I mean, sorry, they wanted to do a show out in in uh in Nigeria. So he asked me to come with him because his business partner couldn't, and I was at that point where I had the flexibility, mm-hmm. like um like I mentioned earlier. Which, by the way, if you're an entrepreneur, I think it's super important to like have that flexibility because all the awesome things that you can do. Like go to South by, go to Coachella, go to Nigeria off off the random. It allows you to really like to seize opportunity. But yeah, I just was able. You know, the day after I came back from Nigeria, I got a call that I had that they were interested in hiring me. Mm-hmm. Um, and days after that, I got another call from another agency out there in Portland that was also interested. And they were both Nike positions. Like, I'd be working on, with Nike regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, I just chose Nike at the end of the day because I thought it was a better fit. And I'd be working on some cooler stuff that I don't know about. You know, I don't want to keep on doing I could do social. I was going to be running Nike basketball social. Or mm-hmm. maybe not running, working on uh, versus developing an app, which is what I'm doing now. And it's mm-hmm. a really, really cool uh, process that I can't speak on because I signed all this paperwork. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, I, I chose that, um, and it's just, I think the cool thing about working corporate is that you get to learn from so many people that are more experienced than you, and you get to learn and, and watch different leaders lead, mm-hmm. you know, like you just heard me on that conference call, like my boss is calling me after work, making sure we're all on, on point, uh, and then encouraging us at the end of the night, saying things like, finish strong, mm-hmm. you know, it's like when you have a basketball coach, and you know, the words of wisdom, they impart on you. It's cool. So that's one thing I really like about corporate. I also like steady paycheck, which is awesome. Yeah, you know, absolutely. you can make you can make a hundred thousand dollars in a day, split that a bunch of ways, 
or you can get a steady check. Yeah. <laughs> and like maintain a certain lifestyle because you have you got the steady check. Um making you budget, making you really be an adult and understand like all of that stuff. So I've I've been there before. I've been the entrepreneur. Now I'm entrepreneur with a steady paycheck, which is cool. Is it's, it is it at times stressful that you're super balancing stressful. both? My hair's gray, dog. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm <laughs> I'm balancing just kind of branding myself, mm-hmm. branding my brand, brands plural, and making sure that my office doesn't think that I think that's more important. Yeah, at which the end is of the day, a very difficult. It's difficult, task. but I think at the end of the day, like I, I do, res- I do respect, uh, you know, Nike, and I think that you know I put Nike first, mm-hmm. but it, I only put it first. Not only put it first, but I put it first because I've got so many great teammates that can help me handle the other projects I've got. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And like I'm not I've been working like hustling like this for a minute, so it's nothing new. I think this is just like I'm really happy with this place because I've been trying to work at Nike for the past year and I finally got in. Like it's like I still don't believe it. I still don't know <laughs> I live in Portland, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really there because I'm I'm working all the time. I'm barely been in my house. But you know, I think it's it's just something you got to do. If you really want it, you'll do it. Yeah. And if it's like, you know, uh, the more, I think the more occupied you are, the better you're, you start to schedule your life because you just know that you don't have time to waste. You've got to, you know, if you want to be fit and you want to run a company and you want to work your full time and you have other things you want to do, you'll just b- become smarter with your time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think the structure is helpful. And I just hope I can continue to 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 do this build brands and work for brands yeah. <laughs> and learn from them and implement the you know the insight and the learnings into what I'm doing okay what um i just literally thought of this on the fly but uh i mean, this <laughs> is going to be something that n words with friends we're going to going to ask everybody this i'm going to ask everybody this what's the most important lesson that you've learned thus far in your life um lesson man maybe you can do it too Pharrell put me on that mm-hmm. meaning you can literally you, can do it too. you know you can literally do it like I think I always had a, a dream of, of, of trying to you know accomplish certain things and leave a mark and then you know I think the reason that I never gave up is because of all the people I put around me like the motivational people the people I look up to people that inspire me, all of those people around me at all times. You know, I had Pharrell, <laughs> I had any idea of my, my ceiling at, in college. Every time I woke up, they were there. Like, their music was so inspiring to me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and listening to, uh, like, when I wanted to be a producer, you know, like having, uh, just having that music always around me, listening to it, um, talking to people like my dad and my mom who, have, you know, they literally came from big families, made it over to America, and built their own family. Now they're straight, you know. And having that, seeing that every day, super motivational. Um, knowing how hard they work to get me where I am. And, like, I think when you become an adult and you start to see, like, it's hard to raise a kid, go to school. Or it's hard to raise a kid, go to work every day, pick up your kid when you know work is, like, you know, work is stressful and long and you may not even be done with work but you have yeah. obligations to pick up your child yeah. and then to take that child 
to basketball practice, soccer practice, baseball practice. I don't know how that's done, <laughs> but these are superheroes. You feel yeah. me? So just being motivated that way and understanding, like seeing like, I, my best friend, his mom is a very powerful woman in the industry. And she uh, just like being in the, in the entertainment industry and being around her and just seeing what she does, like not even, you know, just watching her and mm-hmm. seeing how important her role is and how she kind of structures her life and makes sacrifices uh, and still gets her job done and well, that's motivational. When you see that, when you're around that, like, how can you, you can't lose because then you're going to be the person that, oh, yeah. like, what's going on with him? Why is he lacking like that? You're around so many powerful and, and motivational and inspiring people that you can't really fail. So that's what always keeps me, like, I know you can you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's It's hard, but you can do it. And, yeah. and that, I mean, I think that's the biggest lesson. Um, that I've learned as as simple as it sounds. It's just like don't give up. Like you can actually make it happen. We did it. We went to Coachella. And we did it. Like we we saw that and created our own kind of environment that that fostered the same kind of energy. Um, I don't know. That's 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 what I learned. Yeah. What about you? Can I ask you that? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I think, man, I think. Uh, I think the most important lesson that that I learned is that uh, happiness is inside you. It's like a hybrid of happiness is is ultimately inside you first, and to be happy, it's within. Nobody else can make you happy or unhappy. Like things can alter your mood and your happiness and all that, but like just being a happy person in general mm-hmm. has to do with you first. And the way you get to happy, I think, is through like self-love and understanding truly who you are as an individual, spiritually, as a, like a, a human spirit within a body. You know what I mean? Knowing that that is you, not your flesh, and the outside is you. Mm-hmm. This is just this is just a means to an end. Yeah, flesh. You know what I'm saying? But like, I think who you are is really what is that thing that is inside your brain, you know what I mean? That that the, the thing that makes you you and that's your spirit. And I think that that's where the, that's where true happiness lies. So I think that that's something that I'm like I've really learned that over the past year. And it's just it's it's let me know that like I can do anything. Kind of in the same, you know, regard as you're saying like but that understanding that that I am in control of everything. Beautiful. It just let me. It just let me know that you know there's no limitations to life. You know what I mean. And uh, and I'm as happy as I've ever been. And I want to continue to stay this way. You know what I mean. So yeah, I feel I feel the same way. I'm the happiest I've ever been right now. Yeah. Just because it's like, damn, I can't believe all this stuff actually worked. Like everyone told me it wasn't gonna work, and it's working. Yeah. So and like, even even when it if it goes bad, cause and it will. You know what I mean. Like there are course. things that will go bad. For sure. You just have to understand that. When it goes bad, it's not really bad. It's a lesson. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, everything is a positive. I mean, yeah. you learn. You either win or you learn. You yeah, don't, that's don't it. Lose. Yeah, no losing. And on that note, we out of here. There's no <laughs> losing over here. No All losing, right. no lacking in the field either. Um, yeah. <laughs> For, we're going to just use all these rap uh, idioms. Is that the right word? Uh, these hip-hop idioms, maybe? Yeah, hip-hop idioms. Um, what's my favorite one? Um 
maybe maybe you know uh we out you stuff like that you know what i'm saying like that is not one of my favorites, but I respect it. Um, no, nah, it's just it, one. I, when I say one of my favorites, I mean like one of those ones that you just go to when you're trying to mock a rapper. You know what I mean? <laughs> True. Like, like uh, you know, you just you just say all these like you know you did you know yeah you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. You know, like things like that. After have, if you just watch people talking into a video camera. They automatically turn into a rapper. A rapper, of course. Yeah. It's the coolest thing you can be, though. Yeah. <laughs> we the new rock stars. They've been the they've been the rock stars, and I'm the biggest one of them. <laughs> we the new podcasters, and I'm the smallest one of them. Uh, <laughs> nah, but thank you so much, Modi. No I appreciate problem. it, man. Um, thank you. Words Coming with to friends. my nice little hotel and everything. Yeah, we in a Ritz Carlton, y'all. <laughs> FYI, man, that's that Nike money. <laughs> All right, I'll let you guys soon.